Welcome back, and thank you for listening to Trekker Talk, a fan podcast devoted to the adventures of 23rd century bounty hunter Mercy St. Clair from the pages of Trekker Comics by creator, writer, and artist Ron Randall. I'm Darren. And I'm Ruth. Let's start with a short introduction. Those of you who have listened before will be familiar with this, but we'll go over things briefly for those listening for the very first time. First, this is a fan podcast, and the opinions expressed are just ours. Please consider visiting TrekkerComic.com. That's Ron Randall's official site dedicated to Mercy St. Clair. There you will find the latest Trekker news, as well as a brand new page of Trekker material that is made available every Monday. He also has informative blog posts where he shares insights into the process of creating Trekker, and a lot of wisdom about the art and art of storytelling. For instance, in a recent post, he shares about both the artistic and storytelling inspiration he gained from Alex Raymond's Flash Gordon. As he explains, back in the 30s, Alex Raymond helped give rise to the adventure strip, turning artists like himself, Milton Caniff, and Hal Foster into household names. Another post, back in November, focused on just what goes into creating a character. As the Jekka story is drawing near the end, you may enjoy going back to that post and finding some insights into the development of Jekka the character. Check it out when you have a chance. I think you'll appreciate the post there. You'll also find links to all of the ways to follow Ron Randall on social media, including links for Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and his Patreon page, where if you want, you can choose to help support the new Trekker material. During this podcast, we'll occasionally refer to page numbers related to the story. Trekker has been published in various formats, including individual issues of a solo series, various specials, and multi-part stories in the anthology series Dark Horse Presents. So for our references, we are using the page numbers from the Trekker Omnibus, which is a collection published in 2013 that includes all of the Trekker material up to that point in time. We've chosen to use the Trekker Omnibus since it is widely available and reasonably priced. It's available in print in a graphic novel collection, or you can download it directly to your tablet of choice by purchasing a digital copy from Comixology, the Dark Horse Comics app, or from the Amazon Kindle store. Also, if you own the books on any of these digital platforms, please consider taking a moment to rate the books. I think it would be wonderful to see solid five-star ratings that could help encourage new readers to give the books a try. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the story, The Janus Voyage, which was featured in issue number four of Trekker and was published in November 1987. And later in the episode, we'll share your comments and the feedback we've received since the previous episode. Now, I really believe the show is more fun for everyone when we hear from listeners, so please do write in and let us know your thoughts about Trekker and the issues we're discussing. I'm always interested in how others discovered the series and what they like best about it. Please feel free to point out things we've missed or even share a different point of view. We really want to know, and we're sure others do as well. So at the end of the episode, we'll give you some ways to contact us, and we'll share your comments in a future episode. Trekker number 4 was published by Dark Horse Comics with a cover date of November 1987. Sequentially, this is the fifth Trekker story, and it appears fifth in the Trekker omnibus from pages 119 to 144. At Ron Randall's official TrekkerComic.com site, the story is listed as Trekker, Book 5, The Janus Voyage. The story is in black and white and is written and illustrated by Ron Randall with letters by Ken Brusniak. On the cover, Mercy is standing in front of a viewport on a ship in outer space. We see another ship in the distance outside the viewport. Mercy is being held by two men in uniforms with weapons from three other men aimed at her. A similarly dressed man is laying on the floor at her feet, the obvious victim of a punch from our heroine. The story opens at the Denver spaceport, as Mercy and Paul are arriving via an express tram. Paul is obviously excited about the trip and admits to Mercy he wasn't really sure she would come along. 
He has to give a work-related presentation at a convention a couple of days into the trip, but then the two will have three weeks to relax. Mercy replies that she's looking forward to it, but then thinks to herself that she didn't sound sincere, so she starts trying to convince herself to have some fun. As they're heading to their shuttle, the two notice a commotion in the distance, and Paul dutifully runs ahead to check it out, where they find two men beating up another man. When Paul identifies himself as a police officer, the two assailants run, and the victim asks him to let them go, saying that there are some who are hostile toward those from the Martian states. As the shuttle rises into the sky, Mercy looks at the many sleek towers and all of the activity of a major spaceport, and it makes her even more aware of how Nuke Gallif has fallen into decay as major industries have moved away. A moment later, the huge starliner, the Janus, comes into view, which will take them on the three-week Venusian tour. Mercy seems to be in a better mood and is definitely ready to get to their room. But on the way, both she and Paul notice the Martian they met earlier, and Mercy is convinced that something is out of place. Two days into the trip, the couple have barely left their room, but it's time for Paul to make his presentation. At the next stop, Paul is enjoying the legendary forests of Criterion with plants that are more than 1,000 years old. However, Mercy's cynical nature is preventing her from overlooking the many souvenir vendors that she thinks spoil the view. Many more stunning sights are ahead, including the Eisenhopper Nebula, the Rings of Neoven, and the Surston Effect. Paul's optimism is ever-present, while all Mercy can muster at any location is, it's nice. A fight is brewing after dinner one evening, but Paul tries to stop the fight by pointing out that Mercy's criticisms of him are unfair. She knows he's right and admits it but also wants him to understand that she's not the type of person to wax poetic about the sights they've been seeing. By the time they get back to their room, the fight is intensifying again. However, Mercy stops it quickly this time by dropping her dress and leaving Paul speechless. Everything seems to be going much better on Trillius, where the couple takes in the Flavian baths. The two are relaxing in the water, and Mercy even pays Paul a compliment when suddenly there is a crash, and a body flies through the glass and into their pool. They turn the body over and can tell the man is wearing a mask. When they remove the mask, they discover it's the Martian they met earlier. Suddenly, a bolt of light flashes from a jewel the Martian is wearing, hitting Mercy in the eyes. She seems unharmed, but when she closes her eyes, she sees an unclear image in her mind, and hears the words, Get this to bolt from Rigel. Paul thinks she's been zapped by a retacharge, which can be used to implant data in someone's mind. Paul thinks the image is unclear because she isn't the person the implant was intended for. Mercy remembers meeting a man who worked for Rigel in the past. She remembers giving him the nickname Space Case. Later, the police are investigating the crime scene, and since most cops don't like Trekkers, there are lots of negative comments aimed in Mercy's direction. But Paul brings the complaints to an end and gets himself and Mercy out of there as quickly as possible. In bed that night, Mercy wakes to see Paul is packing, He's been called back to duty. He's trying to explain and apologize at the same time, but Mercy is having none of it. Mercy decides to leave the tour as well. She's known all along she could leave to catch a ship to Gamma 7 to follow Roger Vincent. However, she finds herself in a dilemma. The ticket prices have doubled due to intensifying fighting between the Talmarians and the Lavenites in the Delphiron sector, and Mercy can't cover the extra cost. Mercy then sees a well-dressed woman being harassed by a couple of men and decides to take a chance that well-dressed might equal wealthy and maybe wealthy will equal enough reward money for the ticket she needs. So Mercy rushes into the fight and dispatches the men in quick order. The well-dressed woman is appreciative as Mercy had hoped. However, well-dressed did not equal wealthy. Instead, it equaled diplomatic envoy Felicia Lantis of Tromars. 
While she doesn't have reward money on hand, she does offer Mercy transportation aboard their ship as a quasi-bodyguard and a promise of reward money when they reach their destination, so Mercy agrees. In flight, Lantis explains to Mercy that the planet Delphiron has two major states, Tralmars and Lavion. A bitter war is raging between the two states, causing economic upheaval throughout the whole space sector. She is carrying a treaty from a neighboring planet that will extend aid to the Tralmars in their fight against Lavion. As Lantis is talking, Mercy notices a viewscreen, and the image on the screen matches the image in her head following the Reda image blast from earlier. She immediately starts wondering what Rigel has to do with this. Mercy asks Lantis about the image on the Navi screen, and Lantis tells her the less she knows, the better. Sirens begin to blare. Ships are incoming and are preparing to board their ship. Lantis asks Mercy to take the satchel containing the treaty, saying she believes that if anyone will escape, it will be Mercy. The wall of the ship implodes, and what appear to be armed soldiers begin boarding the ship. Mercy makes a run for it, hesitantly helping Lantis, while also thinking it is her one chance to reach Gamma 7. Mercy appears to be making good progress until she rounds a corner and confronts a group of at least six armed soldiers. Mercy is quickly pinned to the ground in a scene where the cover of the story would fit, but we don't see the exact image in these interior pages. The satchel is taken from Mercy and found to be empty. Just then, another guard reports in, explaining that a pot escaped during the altercation, and both Mercy and the guards know that Lantis has escaped with the real satchel. The guards tell Mercy she's in real trouble, and realization crosses her face. These aren't soldiers from the opposing army. These are police officers, and just then, one of them removes his helmet. It's Paul, and he emphasizes, you really are in trouble. Wow, that issue was a challenge to my ability to pronounce words I'm unfamiliar with. It was also the biggest cliffhanger ending we've had so far. What did you think about it? Well, I realize that whenever I read an issue to prepare for the podcast, I don't want to stop reading at the end of the story, and it is especially true here. I really want to know what happens next as soon as possible. Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) I know what you mean. But let's do our quick flip through of this issue and talk about the pages that we like. So if we just start on page 121, getting the story started, we get to see a different city for a change, Denver, and see Paul and Mercy arriving and Paul's obvious enthusiasm and nervousness at the same time. And on page 122... When Paul is the first one to run off to see what the altercation is about, it made me think that he might be a little bit more like Mercy than either he or she thinks, because that's the type of thing she always does. We also meet our Martian here, who will be key to the story. He's a Martian, though, and not a Martian manhunter. So if Diablo Frank is listening, he will probably be disappointed. And you would get that joke if you knew that Diablo Frank does a blog and a podcast about Martian Manhunter from DC Comics. If we flip on over to page 123, it's interesting to, again, see the different city from Mercy's point of view. It makes her a little sad seeing the prosperous, growing Denver and thinking about the crumbling and decaying New Gallif. And then we turn over to a really great two-page spread that shows the giant Janus spaceship that they'll be taking their vacation on. And at the bottom part of the page, you get six or seven nice little vertical panels that show Mercy and Paul's progression as they move their way through the space station. The title is given on these two pages, which is a good place to mention that there's a Greek god known as Janus, who usually is shown having two faces. Definitely a title that foreshadows what is to come later in the issue. So I'm turning over to page 126, where Paul is looking all around and really enjoying himself. 
Meanwhile, Mercy has her hand on her hip and is glaring at the various vendors, so her body language clearly shows what she thinks of the setting. Paul's optimistic reply is nothing can cheapen all this, not if you don't let it. That really is an interesting panel in the middle of page 126, just seeing the different expressions on their faces and the body language from Paul and Mercy. It makes that center panel just draw your attention because of the two points of view from them. And if we flip on over to page 127, we get a great view of the tourists in outer space looking at all the various sites. Ron Randall does a really admirable job here of making this page look great in black and white. The shades of gray and deep blacks create a feeling of depth, but at the same time, you can't help but imagine what the addition of color would have done to this amazing page. Now, I'm looking forward to talking about the next couple of pages, 128 and 129, because I was surprised. Now, I'm not normally a big fan of dresses and really generally prefer slacks. However, the dress Mercy is wearing here is beautifully designed. The way the dress is draped across the shoulders and the way the cloth appears to fold really lets Ron Randall show off just how well he draws fabric. Absolutely. It is a gorgeous dress. Yeah. It's nice to see just after that, after the fight, we get to the fact that Paul and Mercy actually seem to be enjoying themselves again on page 130, which is really nice. But of course, we've got to move on with the story so that happiness doesn't last for long as our Martian returns dramatically and we get the two-faced part of the title that was foreshadowed at the beginning as the Martian is disguised with a mask. And we move on forward to page 132. Here we get reminded of a character we met very early in the series. I think it was actually back in the very first story. We didn't get his full name then, and we still don't get it now. But we remember that Mercy gave him the name Space Case when she met him originally. Now, I found it interesting to see just how angry Mercy gets at Paul on page 135 when he is called back to work. And then immediately on page 136, we see she's ready to leave herself and has been thinking about it all along. It almost makes you wonder if part of the reason she got so upset was the choice was taken from her and was out of her control at that point. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because she likes to be in control. So I could imagine her getting very upset from that part of the story, actually. Right. Things just weren't going her way. Right. As we move on forward, starting on page 137, we get the sequence of Mercy meeting up with Felicia Lantis. She ends up on board her ship where she gets a chance to see the image that has been implanted in her head. It's a little more coincidental than we usually get in a Trekker story. Usually we would get some investigation that would lead Mercy the direction she needs to go. However, here we can sort of think of it in a couple of different ways. One, maybe the Retta implant is subtly drawing Mercy the direction she needs to go. You could sort of think of that as a traditional deus ex machina plot device. Or another possibility is just that Ron Randall had more story to tell than he had pages to tell it, so he chose to move this along with a series of coincidences because coincidences really do happen in real life, and here we just see an example of that. Either way, it works effectively and keeps the story moving. I also want to point out that on page 139, we get a great example of a space station that gives Ron Randall a chance to show off just how strong his mechanical drawing talents are as well. There is so much detail in that drawing. You can Uh, zoom in and see so much going on in that space station. I agree. We usually talk about how well Ron Randall draws faces and the human figure and perspectives and fabric. But here we really get a chance to see him shine drawing something very technical and detailed. It's nice. Next, we get four or five great pages about the boarding of the ship. Many great action panels with lots of movement and the pages show off Ron Randall's use of shadows and light. A fantastic series of action-packed pages. 
And then we get the surprise that instead of an opposing army boarding the ship, it's actually the police. Paul is there with them, and we have a cliffhanger ending with Mercy in lots of trouble. This was definitely a fun issue with lots of variety to the story. Now it's time for favorite pages, and my runner-up is on page 135. Okay, I've actually wait, 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 left me, my book. <laughs> give me time to turn back there. Okay. Well, I had left mine open to that page, so okay. I was set. I really appreciate the contrast of the black and white, the shadow, the light, and the textures of the cloth, as well as the textures on the wall. And then looking more closely, the expressions on the faces are truly conveying emotion there. So that entire page is well done. I agree. Really impressive page. I'm glad you made me look at that again. And now for my winning page for this story, just flip a couple of pages to 137. There, I love the action conveyed on the page and seeing Mercy's powerful kicks. So the action, it just plays out beautifully in five horizontal panels, and I love it. So that is my winner for this story. Very nice. So for me, I've got three. So if we page forward to page 142, this is just one of those spectacular pages. It has seven different panels of Mercy running, jumping, twisting, punching, kicking, all of the great types of figure poses that Ron Randall specializes in, and you just get this wonderful opportunity to see them all on one page. It's stunning. And I know you're thinking from me saying that, how is that not my winning page? And it's... (laughs) There are just more. So we turn back to page 123. I'm almost there. I got it. So here I just love getting to see the different views of the spaceship, first lifting off from Denver, then flying out into the depths of space. I really like the way Ron Randall draws spaceships in this series. It makes me think of classic science fiction like Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers and Jules Verne. It just is very evocative, and I like it. And then for my winning page, we just have to go forward a couple of pages to page 127. I mentioned this one Mm. earlier. This is the page that features the tourists floating in outer space looking at all the amazing sights. I love the bold blacks on this page. There's so much black on this page that you could imagine that he started with a black sheet of paper and added whites and grays to this. It's really unique looking. I like it. Fabulous selection of pages there. And it, it can be so hard to choose among them. But now let's talk about favorite panels, so I'll let you go first again. Well, let's see. Go to 123, which is another space scene. So it's the bottom space scene there. I love the view, and I think the panels overlaid across the starry sky really fit well with the scene. So well done there. That's nice. I had that as one of my favorite pages, and it made it one of your favorite panels. And then 134. I know I'm sending everyone... All over this book, back and forth. Okay. 134, top left corner. Guess what? The architectural scene there. I love to see that view of the city. I'm always interested in what the cities look like and the architecture and really like the designs that show up there. Nice. And you do like architecture. I know anytime we go anywhere, that's what you're wanting to look for. Mm-hmm. Okay. The winning panel, however, is on page 142. And yes, that page sounds familiar because that was a page that Darren chose, but I I selected a panel from that page as my favorite. Bottom left corner where Mercy has jumped down through the hole and is uh, using that pole to help guide her to land on the deck below. I think the pose is terrific there and conveys the action very well. That's a really great choice because it helps all of us get to stay on the same page. Because <laughs> okay. I have a list of my three favorite panels, and 
my third favorite panel is page 142, bottom left corner, that exact same panel. Oh, no way. Yeah, so <laughs> no one has to turn there to see the same panel that uh, we both chose as okay. one of our favorites. We didn't plan that, but it, we made it easy somehow. That's right. For my second runner-up, we have to turn back a few pages to page 136. Now, this one, it's a little obscured by text, but I really love the juxtaposition of all of those people in the upper left corner standing in line, and I imagine all of them being as bored as I always am when I'm standing in a line, and yet just above them is this stunning view of outer space that no one's paying any attention to at all. It's a subtle effect, but it really stuck with me. I'm really glad you pointed it out. Like, I'm looking there, and I see a guy. He's flipping through, you know, probably his itinerary or a travel book. There's some other people just chatting, passing the time away. And I did not catch that on my read-through. So it seems odd, but it's realistic and easy to realize how we can miss real beauty in the world as we're just doing mundane things. Yeah, it's nice. I liked it a lot. I'm glad you did, too. So, And then very close by, my favorite panel. We just have to turn back one page to page 135, and this was one of your favorite pages. And for me, my favorite panel is the very top panel on this page. Again, the strong use of bold blacks here highlighted with whites. It just pops off the page at you. It's really nicely done. I agree with you on that. So like the stars in the background, the texture on the wall, and the wonderful folds, the way the cloth is laying on the bed, that's a good choice. Yeah, thank you. Okay, everyone, it's time for Who's Who when we talk about significant characters from the stories and get to know them a little better. We don't look ahead because we don't want to spoil the stories for anyone reading them for the very first time. That means we'll revisit characters over time as we learn more things about them. First up is our heroine, Mercy St. Clair. She's a bounty hunter known as a trekker. She lives in Ontari Alley, which is a bad part of New Gellif. She spends most of her money on weapons for her job and food for her pet Scuff, which is a dox, which is a cross between a dog, a cat, and a fox, and isn't seen in this issue. And next we have Paul Clemens, the police officer who works in the same precinct as Uncle Alex. Paul is trying to build a relationship with Mercy, and in this issue, she agrees to go away with him, but he doesn't know she has an ulterior motive. And we get reminded in this issue of our unnamed Rigel agent from way back in the very first Trekker story. We don't know much about him other than that he helped her out in this earlier story and gave her the nickname Firecracker, and as she left him, she gave him the nickname Space Case. And don't worry, we'll still see him again. And we have an oversight to correct. That's right. Last time we forgot to mention Roger Vinson in our Who's Who section. Roger Vinson is another trekker who partnered up with Mercy in the previous story. They planned to split the bounty 50-50, but in the end he collected the full bounty and left for Gamma 7. And while we don't see Roger Vinson again in this story, he's still relevant since part of Mercy's motivation for going on this cruise was because it went near Gamma 7. Next up is Trekker Transmissions, where we share emails, Facebook posts, and other messages we've received since the previous episode. Your support is the best way to get attention for the show, so we sincerely thank all of you who shared news about the show on social media. So please consider telling your friends about the show by tweeting, sharing Facebook posts, or any other way you like. It really makes a difference. First, we want to thank those people who have played our promo trailer on their podcasts. So thanks go out to the Fire and Water podcast, which is a fun show by the Irredeemable Shag and Rob Kelly about Firestorm and Aquaman, along with other topics. Thanks also to Ryan Daly for running the promo on Flowers and Fishnets, a great show devoted to Black Canary. 
He also hosts the Star Wars podcast, Dead, Both and Spies, and the Secret Origin podcast about the DC comic series. And one more thanks goes to Professor Alan Middleton and his daughter Emily for playing our promo on the Short Box Showcase podcast from the Relatively Geeky Network. They've just recently launched a new blog called From Dorkness to Light. There they will explore the intersection of religious and theological topics with pop culture. We'll put a link in the show notes. We heard from Jim Romaldi. Jim is actually one of Trekker Talk's very first followers. As he explained, he is more into superheroes, but thought Trekker sounded like fun, so he downloaded the omnibus. Wow, Jim, it made us happy to hear that you were taking a look at the book. I'll mention that Jim is a contributing writer at thebatmanuniverse.net. If you like Batman, head over to that blog and check out some of the reviews and photos there. We'll include a link in the show notes as well. Ed Moore wrote to say he thought the print by Ron Randall featuring Mercy St. Clair teaming up with Usagi Yojimbo was amazing. If you haven't seen it yet, check out our Facebook page to see the photo. Loyal listener Brian Mulvey wrote to share that his favorite page of Rules of the Game, which he said was the opening splash page where Mercy awakens from her nightmare dripping in sweat with loyal scuff looking quizzically at his master. He goes on to say that he likes the page mainly for Ron's bold, heavy use of black and the wrinkles and folds on her bedsheets. We loved hearing what somebody else's favorite page was, so if anyone else out there would like to share their favorites, please write in and let us know. We also want to extend our Trekker thanks to those who supported us on social media since the last episode. These are people who liked our Facebook page or favorited or retweeted our tweets from at Trekker Talk. We sincerely thank all of you for your support and encourage all of you to help promote Trekker. It's the only way to get more people to read the comics. If we miss a name, please let us know. It wasn't intentional, and we'll correct our error next episode. Also, please forgive us if we mispronounce your name. Email us and let us know, and we'll correct that next episode as well. Okay, I will start our thank yous. Alan Middleton, Brian Mulvey, Cindy Womack, Count Dracula, a.k.a. Ryan Daly, Diablo Frank, Dr. G. Nerdologist, Ed Moore, Firestorm Fan, Greg Space Knight, Hammer Strikes, Java, Jim Rimaldi, John Lewis, Joseph Holm. And continuing our list, Lauren Galloway, Noel Thingball, Pablo, Periscope Studio, Podcast Movement, Relatively Geeky, Rolled Spine Podcast, Ron Randall himself, Ronnie, Cian Mandrake, Timothy Kramer, Titanium Comics, Warren Montgomery, and Wednesday Comics. Thank you all so much for your support. It means the world to us. Now it's time for our Trekker Toast Award, where we recognize someone who went above and beyond in supporting Trekker Talk. There's a fellow podcaster out there who has given us lots of support as we've gotten this podcast going. We were already listeners of his podcast, and we have been sincerely appreciative of all the promotion he has given us. He's not only retweeted our tweets, but he has sent out his own original tweets about our show. He also visits the Trekker Talk Facebook page regularly, where he always likes our posts and occasionally comments as well. He's also promoted our show on his own podcasts. So we lift up our glasses and give a thankful Trekker toast to Ed Moore. Thank you, Ed, for all of your support. We sincerely appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Ed. And for those of you out there who don't know, Ed does several podcasts, including the Mighty Thorcast, the Lords of Order about Dr. Fate, and Ronan Rabbit about Usagi Yojimbo. We'll include links in our show notes for those of you interested in trying out any of his shows. And we'll be right back after we play a couple of promos for other comic-related podcasts you might enjoy. Hi, I'm Gene Hendricks. You may remember me from such shows as The Hammer Podcasts and The Quantum Cast. 
I'd like to tell you about some special shows that I'm doing with some of your favorite podcasters. These shows are all about the live-action versions of comic book characters, and I'm calling them... Legends of the Superheroes! In each episode, we'll be looking at a different TV show or movie featuring characters like... Wonder Woman! Dr. David Banner. And let's not forget about the non-superheroes, such as... Swamp Thing! Captain William Buck Rogers. And many more. Look for the Legends of the Superheroes specials under the Hammer Podcasts at twotruefreaks.com. A secret governmental organization operating behind the scenes. Task Force X. Task Force X is an off-the-books government strike team made up of convicts with no hope for release serving as expendable agents for impossible missions. Succeed, and I'll shave time off your sentences. If we don't. You'll be dead. Any other stupid questions? The Suicide Squad, ran by Amanda Waller. I'm Amanda Waller. I'm here to indoctrinate you convicts into our special forces. And there's Checkmate, ran by Harry Stein. This is the tales of DC Comics, Suicide Squad, and Checkmate. Mostly monthly from Headspeaks. Available on iTunes under Task Force X and under Headcasts over at headspeaks.com. We can also be found on Facebook and Google Plus under Task Force X. Task Force X. Check it out. Or you'll answer to the wall. Nobody screws the wall! It's time for What's Up when we talk about other things going on outside the world of Trekker. So I had a business trip to San Francisco since the last episode. And I decided to tag along. So we went out for the weekend before Darren's meetings and did some sightseeing. One of the places we went was the Comic Art Museum. There we saw original drawings of Dick Tracy by Chester Gould and original drawings of Peanuts by Charles Schultz. There was Calvin and Hobbes by Bill Watterson and many others. We even saw an original Alpha Flight cover that we know would interest the irredeemable Shag. We also saw an original animation camera used to make Crusader Rabbit, which was the first animated series made by Jay Ward. We're big fans of most anything Jay Ward made, especially Rocky and Bullwinkle, Mr. Peabody and Sherman, and Dudley Do-Right. My favorite places in San Francisco, of course, included the Golden Gate Bridge, as well as Land's End, where I could look out over the cliffs and see the ocean, see the Golden Gate Bridge in the distance. It was a wonderful place to be. I really enjoyed eating and shopping in Japantown, and we even got to see fortune cookies being made in Chinatown. So much to see and do there. We were also able to take a film locations tour that was a lot of fun. We saw places from films like Vertigo, the recent Planet of the Apes movie, The Conversation, Dirty Harry, and Mrs. Doubtfire. So many things were filmed there. It was a great time. We made the most of that trip. Also, since the last episode, we had an interesting Twitter exchange. Comic fans have been doing occasional tweets using hashtags to choose their four favorites in several different categories. The hashtags generally start with the number four, followed by the letters FAV, and then the category name. For instance, one category we noticed earlier was four fave DC characters. That was fun to see and fairly easy for us. I chose Aquaman, Mira, 
Green Arrow, and Black Canary because I really like those power couples. And I chose Aquaman, Mira, Green Arrow, and Wonder Woman. Very close, just one difference between our lists. So we were very excited when the hashtag four fave artists showed up one day. We jumped right on that one. The first two were easy choices for us. Obviously, Ron Randall is a favorite for both of us. And as we mentioned way back in episode one, Mike Grell is another favorite of ours. I immediately thought of Alex Toth because I loved his work on Zorro and many other things, as well as Ramona Fraden, who is not only a great artist, but is also one of the earliest female artists to be successful in comics. So that means a lot to me. And I thought of Alex Raymond, who created Flash Gordon, as well as Doug Wildey, who did many great comics, including lots of westerns, and The Saint, and later created my favorite animated series while I was growing up, which was Johnny Quest. It's also interesting to note that Doug Wildey and Alex Toth occasionally worked together at Hanna-Barbera back in the 1960s and 1970s. We also noticed that fellow Trekker fan Brian Mulvey also tweeted his four favorites, which of course included Ron Randall, as well as Hal Foster, Milton Caniff, and Tom Yates. Of course, as soon as we did our tweets, we realized we forgot Mark Schultz, who is an all-time favorite and does the amazing comic Xenozoic Tales that inspired the animated series Cadillacs and Dinosaurs. So somehow we needed to fit in at least one more because his work is amazing. Other longtime favorites of ours include Joe Staten and Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. And more recent favorites include Ivan Reese, Joe Prado, Paul Pelletier, and Lynn Medina all who have made Aquaman the best mainstream comic since its reboot in 2011, in our opinion. And I'm sure Rob Kelly at the Aquaman Shrine will appreciate us getting in that plug. And because he's an amazing artist, and he's from our hometown, we must mention Lawson Wallace, who's worked on tie-in books for Superman Returns and Spider-Man 3, as well as comics including Mars Attacks, Judge Dredd, and Clyde and Miriam from the pages of Cavewoman. His art has bold, clean, confident lines. Check out examples of his work at lostinwallace.com. We've had the distinct pleasure to meet many of these great artists at conventions over the years. Besides our great fortune at meeting Ron Randall, we've also met Mike Grell, Ramona Fraden, Joe Staten, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, Ivan Reese, and Joe Prado. So if there's a local comic convention near you, we encourage you to check it out. There may be some amazing artists in attendance, and you'll really be pleased to meet them. Absolutely. And we'll post some photos of the great artists we've met over on our Trekker Talk Facebook page, so please stop by and check it out. And speaking of conventions, we'll just remind everyone again that we'll be attending DragonCon in Atlanta, Georgia over Labor Day weekend, as well as Baltimore Comic Con in late September, where Ron Randall will be a guest. So if anyone is planning to attend either of those cons, let us know and we can have a Trekker fans meetup sometime during the weekend. And since the last episode, I've had a birthday. And honestly, I was not looking forward to it. So I told Ruth I didn't want anything for my birthday because I wanted to ignore it the best I could. However, as is often the case, Ruth didn't listen to me. But as is not often the case, I was very happy that she didn't listen to me this time because she got me a beautiful watercolor commission from none other than Ron Randall himself, featuring Mercy St. Clair. Our trekker is standing with her weapons drawn, ready for action. It's dusk, the wind is blowing her cape, and there is an intricate cityscape in the background. The signature says, Happy Birthday, Darren, from Ron Randall and Mercy St. Clair. I was completely surprised and overwhelmed and couldn't be happier, but it all still seems a little surreal to me, even though I'm staring at the painting as I'm saying this. So I say a sincere thank you to both Ruth and Ron Randall, even though that simple phrase can't convey my true feelings about this wonderful gift. Before we go, we want to provide our contact information. Please let us know your thoughts through email, Facebook, or Twitter. 
Also, if you like the show, please consider leaving a review on iTunes and Stitcher and giving us a good rating. These are terrific ways to help get the show noticed and hopefully attract more listeners to help Trekker fandom. And remember that in addition to iTunes and Stitcher, the show is also available on TuneIn and Podbean.com. If you like the show, please consider subscribing so you always know when there's a new episode. If you want to contact us directly, you can send us email at trekkertalk at gmail.com. We're at facebook.com backslash trekkertalk and on Twitter at trekkertalk. And now we're on Tumblr at trekkertalk.tumblr.com. Please use the hashtag trekkertalk and hashtag trekkercomic in your messages to help other fans find and follow the conversations. Plus, if you have ideas for other hashtags for Trekker or Mercy, just let us know and we'll share them. Also, please visit Ron Randall's official TrekkerComic.com website, where you will see a new Trekker page every Monday. The Jekka storyline will be ending in the next couple of weeks, followed by a new story, so it's a great time to check out the site. Ron Randall has recently posted on the Trekker Comic website information about his upcoming conventions. In addition to the Baltimore Con that we mentioned earlier, he will be at the Northwest Comic Fest in August, Rose City Comic Con in September, and ZapCon in October. We encourage any of you who may be planning to attend those conventions to stop by his booth and say hi. Also at TrekkerComic.com, you'll find links to everywhere you can find Ron Randall, from Facebook to Twitter to Tumblr, and he often responds to posts on his Facebook page and on his Patreon site. So post to his pages and let him and other fans know what you think of his new Trekker pages. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll come back next month for a new episode of Trekker Talk. Trekker Talk is not affiliated with Dark Horse Comics or Ron Randall. The views expressed on the show are solely ours. Music is taken from the album Royalty Free Music Movies and Videos from the Royalty Free Music Club. Sound effects are taken from the album Cartoon Sound Effects from the Royalty Free Sound Effects Factory, as well as number one sound effects for movies, TV, and websites by the Sound Effects Factory and Hollywood Sound Effects Volume 4. We make no money from this podcast and no copyright infringement is intended.